Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Podcast. I am Casey Thomas and this week I want to continue our conversation talking about the gut microbiome. But before I do, if you can, please be sure to leave me a rating and review and let me know what you're thinking about all of these episodes that I've been putting out. I love getting feedback. And if you can, also please subscribe. That really helps me out a whole lot and helps grow this podcast so that way more people can get access to nutrition information backed by science. (laughs) Okay, so last week we talked about what the gut microbiome is. And then we also talked about some of the problems that arise when it is not healthy. So as just a small brief recap of that, the gut microbiome is this collection of microorganisms that lives specifically in our large intestine. And it is intimately linked with our metabolic function, with our health function, and with our performance function. We see that the gut has its own nervous system, which is pretty awesome, if you ask me, that we like to call the second brain, okay? And much of our neurotransmitters and much of our normal cognitive processes can be impacted by our gut microbiome. So keeping our gut microbiome healthy is really, really important if you're striving for peak mental performance. So this week, I want to talk about some specific strategies that we can use to impact our gut microbiome and make it into a healthy one. So what are some specific examples of what's bad for your gut microbiome? Last week, we touched on how fiber is really important to include. So a low fiber diet is negatively going to impact your gut microbiome for sure. But some specific food items are soy lecithin, our mono and diglycerides, polysorbates, carrageenan, guar gum, and canola oil. These are some specific items that we have research showing that it can negatively change your gut microbiota. A lot of times, basically, it falls into the category of food additive as well as emulsifier. So be on the lookout for those whenever you're reading the nutrition label. Some other big problems include foods with a high content of processed fats. So I'm talking about things like fried foods and pastries, okay? Those are very problematic for the gut microbiome. Uh, Smoking, alcohol, and stress have all been shown to negatively impact the gut microbiome, as well as having their own problems, right? (laughs) And then the last thing, which also can severely negatively alter the gut microbiome, is an overall high-calorie diet, or rather one that is greater than what your body actually needs, okay? So one that is causing some kind of weight gain. So those are some of our problem items. But then the follow-up question becomes, okay, well, let's say I have a bad gut microbiome. Can I just replace my gut bugs with healthier versions? And this is actually really fascinating to me because this is an area of ongoing research. And we are quite successfully using gut microbiome transplants right now to treat various GI issues. And that being said, though, this field is brand new, and we haven't yet properly experimented enough with it to see if it can be used to treat any of the other conditions that we mentioned last week. 
So I'm talking about things like type 2 diabetes, atherosclerosis, obesity, uh, or even psychiatric conditions. But I am optimistic that as this technology and research develops, we're going to start to see new use cases. So definitely keep your eyes open for this one. I think <laughs> we might get to the point where, you know, it's like, uh, hey, I, I bottled up Usain Bolt's gut microbiome. If you want to take it, take this supplement, right? And I don't know if that's going to be helpful or if that's going to produce the results that we want, but I, I kind of get the sense that we might be moving in that direction. All right, so what about some of our supplements? Because a lot of people ask me about this all the time. So what are probiotics? Probiotics are actual live bacteria. Okay, and the idea is that if you take a probiotic, it's going to force this live bacteria, presumably good bacteria, into your gut microbiome. The problem is that we actually have zero idea, no clue whatsoever, what an ideal gut microbiome should look like. And, you know, that, that's an issue. Like, we don't know what the standard is, okay? So many people live long, healthy lives, and they have vastly different gut microbiomes. So we don't actually know if there are specific strains of bacteria that are good for us or if there are specific ratios of bacteria that are good for us. It's very new, and we're still trying to figure it out. But another issue is that your gut microbiome developed as you grew. Okay, so your gut microbiome is unique to you and your own physiology, your own metabolism, your own food environment, all this kind of stuff. And your other body systems were built to work in tandem with your current gut microbiome. And so this could be a problem because if you take probiotics, then you're shifting your gut microbiome. And this could cause all sorts of issues if it doesn't work in alignment and balance with your other body systems. And in fact, we see that one of the most common side effects to probiotic use is that it can negatively influence your gut health. Uh, some people get some severe reactions to taking probiotics, okay? They might change their bowel movements, might change their stool, might give them nausea, all this kind of stuff. And the other issue, so besides not even knowing what particular strains of bacteria can help you specifically, when we force those bacteria inside our gut, it doesn't stick. The probiotics will only transiently change your gut microbiome. Once you discontinue use, your gut microbiome will actually revert back to its previous state. And so unless you want to take probiotics for life, it's not really feasible, okay? I know the companies would love if you're taking probiotics for life, but I, I think me and you, we don't want to be forced to be paying this premium for a probiotic for the rest of our, our time. And, you know, I, I just want to take a moment here and say that most of the claims surrounding probiotics are completely overblown. All right, the only consistent finding that we have from taking probiotics is that it might help with certain unique clinical situations. All right, and there is actually a little bit more than that, and maybe that's a small teaser. But the only consistent finding that we have from probiotic use is that it can help out with certain clinical situations. All right, so some examples are things like traveler's diarrhea. Um, it can also help with mitigating damage from antibiotic use. So it, it does have a use case, all right? It can be useful. I do want to take a second, though, to just distinguish between a probiotic supplement and a probiotic food. And this is where it gets a little muddy because everything I said just until now was applying specifically to probiotic supplements. 
but whole foods that are naturally high in probiotics have been shown to be very beneficial to health. And you should certainly look to find ways to include them. And I'm talking about things like fermented dairy, sauerkraut, kimchi, natto, miso, those kind of foods. Okay, these have all been shown to be quite helpful and have a lot of benefits. And usually what marketers do is they take the benefits that come from probiotic whole foods and they apply those same benefits to probiotic supplements. And it just doesn't work. Okay, just does not work. And that's not what the data says. So the punchline for probiotics is can be useful in certain clinical situations. But for the most part, it's not really going to do too much. And in fact, there's a risk that it might be causing your stomach to get upset. On the other hand, probiotic foods are great. Please eat them. Now, the next question is, okay, well, that's probiotics. Tell me about prebiotics. And prebiotics are food for your current gut bugs. And this comes mainly in the form of fiber. And I want you to remember from last week that, you know, your body is going to take first dibs on all ingested food items. And the leftover residue, which is mainly fiber, gets eaten by your gut bugs. And so this fiber more specifically feeds the good bacteria in your gut, which is good because it gives us a direct strategy to improve our overall gut microbiome. So we do have data saying if you change your diet to incorporate more prebiotics, it can result in positive shifts in your overall gut microbiome. It increases your good bacteria, and it decreases your bad bacteria. And not only that, but it also increases your overall microbial diversity, which is awesome. So in normal, healthy individuals, there is absolutely no reason to limit eating fiber and countless reasons to add more. And we kind of touched on that last time. Uh, fiber is key for keeping a good, healthy gut microbiome. Most Americans are eating about 15 grams of fiber per day, which is severely lacking. Okay, the U.S. government, which, you know, questionable recommendations, <laughs> they recommend 25 grams per day for women and 38 grams per day for men. And this recommendation is definitely on the, under, on the, on the, the smaller side. And despite that, most Americans are eating, you know, about half of that, which is just absolutely terrible. To put it in perspective, ancient humans were eating closer to like 100 grams per day. And I, I will tell you, if you can just get close to 50 grams per day, you're going to be doing amazing. All right. This is going to improve so many aspects of your overall health and performance. There are certain foods that are especially high in the type of prebiotics that your gut microbiome loves. And some good examples are artichokes, leeks, onions, garlic, chicory, asparagus, berries and bananas, flaxseed, and legumes and lentils. All right, so all of these are very high in the type of fiber that your gut bugs absolutely love. So please, please, please eat more of them. Prebiotic supplements, on the other hand, that data is a little bit less clear, okay? If you can incorporate more prebiotic foods, similar story as the probiotics, right? If you can incorporate more prebiotic foods, there are countless benefits. Prebiotic supplements, though, we have less data. 
That being said, it's more data than probiotics. And if you had to choose between either taking a prebiotic supplement or a probiotic supplement, my vote would be a prebiotic supplement because typically a prebiotic supplement is just some kind of ground fiber. And that's, that's fine. It's stripped of all of the other beneficial nutrients that come with it, but that's fine. There's not really going to be a downside to taking a prebiotic supplement. Whereas, as we said before, there is some potential downsides to taking a probiotic supplement. So I'm okay with prebiotic supplements. I definitely encourage prebiotic foods more, but I'm okay with the prebiotic supplement version. All right, so after learning about probiotics and prebiotics, some people say, okay, is there anything else I can do for my gut microbiome? And I'm glad you asked. If you're eating a relatively healthy diet, then adding in exercise has been shown to cause positive shifts in your gut microbiome. If you are eating a relatively unhealthy diet, adding in exercise actually does nothing for your gut microbiome, which is kind of surprising. But this reinforces the observation that diet and exercise work much better together than when doing one or the other alone. So if you want to get the extra benefits, make sure your diet is on point, and then you can exercise, and then you can see even more benefits to your gut bugs. Okay, to summarize some final thoughts here, the gut microbiome plays a key role in our metabolism, in our immunity, in our mental health, in our mental performance. And if you care about your health, if you care about your body composition, or you care about your performance, then you absolutely need to take care of your gut bugs. It's a necessity. My first recommendation is to work in more probiotic and prebiotic whole foods. Your return on your time and efforts are going to be greatly rewarded. Okay, trust me. And if you struggle with getting enough fiber in for whatever reason, then a prebiotic supplement may be beneficial. Me personally, I'm a fan of psyllium. A probiotic supplement, on the other hand, is not recommended except for very specific situations. And if you're curious if it can help you individually, please just shoot me an email and I'm happy to give you my recommendations because uh, the probiotic field is largely a scam these days. And you, <laughs> if you're trying to buy one, you got to really make sure you get a good one. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Thank you for listening these last two weeks. I hope you really enjoyed this, this series. Please, please, please give me a rating and review and just, uh, or at the very least, shoot me an email at caseythomasrd at gmail.com and just let me know what you thought. I really would love to get your feedback and I'd love to hear some other topics that you would like me to talk about. Uh, if you can, subscribe. That really does help me out a whole lot and it helps grow the channel and it helps me spread this to more people to try to fight some of this misinformation that's out there as far as nutrition goes. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really value your time and I really appreciate that you allow me to rant about nutrition topics, which I love to do. Uh, and and I'll, I'll leave you there and just say, until next time, please go eat some fermented foods and eat some more fiber. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.